0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today we are reviewing Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. And yes, that's a mouthful, but this is also a blockbuster movie, so it is chock full of action. Most people know the Mission Impossible franchise has been going on for nearly three decades now. It started in 1996, and of course, we have the all-star, one of the last few Hollywood true stars, Tom Cruise, starring in this vehicle, uh, alongside quite a a big cast of characters that are also well known and once again this movie is part one of two so uh, we went to the theater uh, and we saw this in imax which was pretty fantastic we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second but before we go ahead and get into too much there let's go ahead and pull up some of the background information on this movie so Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, was directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, You may recognize him from quite a few other films. He's directed the previous couple Mission Impossible movies, and he's also credited as a writer on The Usual Suspects. Jack Reacher, he also directed that, um, and quite a few other movies, including X-Men. He was uncredited on that. World War Z, The Wolverine, Rogue One, and uh, even Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, which we have reviewed on uh we have reviewed in the past year or so so check that out if you do like this review anyway as we're moving on to the cast of characters here once again i did mention that tom cruise leads this vehicle as long as Haley atwell as you may know as agent carter uh, in the marvel uh, tv series uh, ving rames uh, who is also in pulp fiction and quite a few other movies including i believe the first mission impossible and on simon pegg who's well known as both a comedy character actor, but also uh, very good in dramatic roles as well. Rebecca Ferguson, she was in Doctor Sleep and she's kind of popping up everywhere these days. I think she's also in Dune, Um, as well as Vanessa Kirby, uh, Isai Morales, and uh, I think that kind of rounds out the big cast here. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis before we get into how we went into this movie, the IMAX experience, and eventually what we thought of it.
1: All right. So Ethan Hunt and the IMF team must track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity if it falls into the wrong hands. With control of the future and the fate of the world at stake, a deadly race around the globe begins. Confronted by a mysterious, all-powerful enemy, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than the mission, not even the lives of those he cares about most.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for that write-up once again. Um, And it's Interesting because we're on the what seventh eighth maybe even ninth Mission Impossible film, and seventh uh, seven. yeah. So at this yeah. point in a uh, most series long tenures, the movies tend to get a little bit tired. That's not so much the case with the Mission Impossible franchise because I mean first of all they've been going so long, but each most recent movie has been a much bigger blockbuster um in terms of just budget and also the return that it makes. And so they're very successful movies and a lot of people were excited for this one as well. But uh so far I believe it was made for a budget of I want to say 291 million. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so- it's
1: about 300 million with marketing all in is what I just read since we saw it.
0: Exactly. And you mentioned that the box office gross so far wasn't incredibly impressive, but I am seeing 235 million uh tallied as of today, I would imagine.
1: Um yeah, I I read 58 million In the Friday to Saturday, Friday to Sunday, to frame, and eighty million in North America from Wednesday to Sunday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of those films, so it's probably going to have to cross about six hundred million to seven hundred million in order to actually make a profit. Thus, is just uh, what movies are these days. We kind of touched upon this a little bit with uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But um, moving on, I do want to talk about our IMAX experience here. So, um, as you may know. Uh, We were excited to go see this in a new format. It has been, oh goodness, probably 17 years since I've been to an IMAX movie, the last being Superman Returns, which was awesome, by the way. And um, yeah, this time around, uh, we went to an AMC IMAX, and it doesn't have the reclining chairs, but... I gotta say, the big, big screen is fantastic. Sometimes you don't even notice that it's that much bigger, but I think it really does enhance the quality of the movie-going experience, especially with the sounds and sort of the uh, dynamic action on screen. I did appreciate how it probably elevated uh, the experience over that of going to a regular theater. what do you think?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, my last IMAX experience was with you in 2006 for Superman Returns, which was my check it out last week. Um, I think we agreed that this was probably a little bit of a smaller uh, IMAX screen, although we might have just remembered it differently. I mean, you were much younger than I was much younger then. but you know what I mean? It was just you you remember things differently than perhaps they actually really were. Um I I will tell you without giving anything away, I'm extremely glad we chose to see this in the IMAX format. It was, uh, and I will tell you the theater was full. I don't know who's not seeing this film, but it was packed. And I have to also say too, that, you know, because this is a generational podcast, I will admit that I have all sorts of back issues and um, the reclining seats. I did not miss one bit. Uh, In fact, it was really almost tight quarters because of how many people were in this theater. And it was a very large theater, but it was um, honestly more comfortable for me than than the reclining seats that we had even for Asteroid City last week.
0: Interesting. Yeah, to me, it kind of came off as a bit of a theme park attraction almost with all the seats. And then, of course, the seating itself. Uh, I do prefer to go with reclining seats because I realized just how long it's been since I was in standard seating. I mean, we've kind of Gone spoiled with that and the movie theater experience for the past 10 years or so. Um, but this was interesting and it didn't bother me too much. My back felt great because once again, this is a generational podcast and uh, <laughs> things, uh, things changed. My every- back
1: felt great too, because I was sitting upright.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I, I do think that I do think that we got a better movie going experience because of this. And I would recommend that if you do want to go see this film, Go see it in IMAX. Uh we're gonna yeah. see uh I'm gonna see Oppenheimer and IMAX fairly soon. And I'm not sure about Barbie, but uh I'm definitely gonna see the movie eventually. Either way, really cool experience and figured we'd just go ahead and give a shout out to that, considering that yeah. I think this is our first IMAX podcast movie going experience.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I will say for me, the IMAX experience is is ideal for the right film. There was a point at which I almost turned to your mom and said, this is why we're here seeing it in IMAX because of you know some of the scenes um but i i don't feel the need uh unless it's a a tentpole film mm-hmm. that we know is going to demand that kind of experience so mm-hmm. to speak I don't feel the need to spend the extra four or $5 because again, this is a generational podcast and you know me, I'd rather sit home and watch it on streaming, but not new movies. You know, I'm still that guy. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm along for, I'm not just along for the ride. I'm, I'm the guy who's, who's right here with you wanting to see all these movies this summer. And um, I'm very glad one that I, I would not have waited to see this on streaming because it is, it is a, excuse me. It is a mission impossible film. And two, uh, you know, because, um, this is the kind of film that you want to see on the big screen, whether it's a normal big screen or an IMAX screen.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed that these tickets weren't way too out of range. Uh, they weren't even 20 bucks. I think they might've been 16 or 17 a pop, which is pretty good considering that, you know, we were enhancing our experience quite a bit. Um, so yeah, that's sort of our, uh, going into the film. But I, I will
1: say this too. Uh, it, look, it looks as though two weekends in a row we've been to the same theater, and um, I think we've we've established that we have found a theater that is, you know, while it's not midway between where you live and where we live, it's uh, accessible enough for both of us so that we can meet there and, um, you know, taking a movie together, which I like.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair trade off. Takes you about forty-five minutes. Takes me about twenty.
1: It takes me forty. Yeah, yeah. But that you know, you do for family, Noah. Just so you know. And uh, you know, for you, we pretty much do anything.
0: Well, I very much appreciate that and uh let's go ahead and get into uh, our thoughts of the movie now uh just a quick aside, I have seen all of the Mission Impossible films uh up to this point, but i haven't rewatched them recently if that makes sense ghost protocol is the most recent one that i've seen before this i saw fallout and rogue nation and honestly i thought those were just pretty good i actually can't really remember or uh i guess make the distinction between the two because i kind of forgot what happened specifically i know one has henry cavill and um the other one i think we saw six or seven years ago but at this point I like the franchise simply because I know that they do make good movies. And one of their uh, entries is one of my favorite action movies. So it was worth going in and seeing this. But I do say as a fan of the movies, but not necessarily an incredible follower of the franchise, that's sort of how I went in today.
1: Okay, so here's how I went in. Yeah. And and forgive me as I say this. You may recall that two weeks ago when we talked about Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, I said... I. I don't know which movie is which that's kind of not true because there are only five of them right mm-hmm. five four whatever um now there are seven mission impossibles, and I honestly don't know which one is which except for ghost protocol in for two reasons one, how can you not remember Tom Cruise scaling the Burj Khalifa mm-hmm. in uh Dubai, but also we watched it for the pod a year or so ago um so for me, that one stands out honestly, Noah, I can't tell you. One Mission Impossible from the other from the other with the exception of Ghost Protocol and the first one where he sort of, you know, suspended hanging from the that's a classic scene. scene. That's a classic scene. Right. Um, But otherwise, I I couldn't tell you about any of the other films. So for me, I was probably more interested in this because I'm just going to put it out there right here and right now. And I want all of ZZ Talk to, to hear us. Tom Cruise is the goat. That's all there is to it. You can you can disagree with me, but we're going to have to agree to disagree because the man is the GOAT. Plain and simple.
0: Awesome. Well, I definitely agree with that. And to those who are not familiar with that acronym, once again, this is a generational podcast, GOAT means greatest of all time. And um, I would be inclined to agree with you at this point. I think he's the best working uh film star in Hollywood today and certainly the best action hero we were talking about Chris Hemsworth um, and what he can eventually become one day but Tom Cruise he's 60 but I mean he's still booking it he's still got those classic running scenes that only he uh, can perform and I really appreciate just his dedication to the roles too he really just sinks into this kind of stuff which brings me to my opinion on the movie I thought it was great Uh, i had a lot of fun with it i thought the action was thoroughly entertaining i thought it was relatively well paced despite its length and i really enjoyed how there were elements that were familiar but there's always something new to make it exciting there's a lot of stuff here that you've seen in other action movies before but there's something about tom cruise and his unique cast doing it which is just fantastic it's spy it's neo-noir it's contemporary But it's also just an action-packed jaunt that takes you across multiple places in the world, like many other films of its ilk, in a really unique way. And I think Mission Impossible has just kind of done this really good job of knowing exactly how to make everything they do really cool. Um, Whether it's, you know, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol with all the fancy gadgets they were using, or even here, if it's just with the environmental sort of storytelling and some of the stunts that were on display – a really great thing about this film series is that even though Tom Cruise is the standout, the entire ensemble cast does such a good job of working together in a way that a lot of other movies don't make work in that sort of sense. For example, John Wick, it's about John Wick. There's a couple other characters you like, but it's all about him. That's why the franchise is named after him. In Mission Impossible, you truly feel like each unique member of the team has something that adds so much value. and. It's a revolving door, to be honest, uh, with the IMF force that they've got going on. Uh, So I really appreciated how with this cast of characters, once again, everybody was kind of a slam dunk, and I really appreciated their contributions to it. Um, You know, not really any unlikable characters in this movie. And I think that's really important when you're using such a big budget for such a massive uh, blockbuster, especially if it's part one of two. So I greatly enjoyed it.
1: All right. So, Noah, what do you think I thought of this film? I think you liked it a lot. I loved it. Thought it was great. Um, I mean, some of the, you know, much like in any action film, there are three or four standout or three or four action scenes that just sort of carry the story forward, right? Or if it's done well. Um, In here, you have the airport scene. You have well. Maybe I shouldn't go into that until we go into spoilers. But I just really liked this movie. Have I mentioned that Tom Cruise is the goat? Because he, I have been saying this for ten or fifteen years. The man gives everything to mm-hmm. every film he does. Whether it's Valkyrie, whether it's Mission Impossible, whether it's um, okay. Far and Away, whether it's you know uh, an Interview with a Vampire. The man is all in. And it is a crime that he has not won an Oscar yet. But increasingly those awards are meaningless anyway. He's he's awesome. And every time he was running, and he does a lot of running in this movie, oh, yeah. it just brings a smile to my face because I think to myself, this is really what Tom Cruise has become known for, right? Fifteen, twenty years ago he was jumping on the couch and talking about to Oprah, talking about how he loved um uh Scientology. Uh, no, Katie. Holmes, yeah, because yeah. they were married for a time, um, but he has managed to replace uh, all of that in people's memory with just the the level of investment he puts into every single thing he does. So, I also
0: like to point out. I really, irony.
1: really liked it.
0: I'd also like to point out the irony of a proprietary AMC Nicole Kidman commercial before a Tom Cruise feature. So that was uh, also- anything is
1: better than the uh, the Regal. Um, famous movie lines commercial that comes on before every film
0: yeah you're not kidding uh regal's skating on thin ice with us right now anyway yes let's go ahead and uh yeah once again it sounds like you really greatly enjoyed it that's fantastic uh, i would recommend this to any action movie fan if you were looking forward to seeing this there's no reason to wait on it um probably one of the best movies of the year so far that 100%, i've seen. 100 100
1: certainly the best action movie of the year so sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and you know what you're going to get most likely if you've seen the other films in the franchise, but even if you're- Oh, you're going to get a
1: better in this one, I think.
0: Yeah, even if you're a first timer or a well-seasoned uh, franchise fan, you're going to enjoy this a whole lot. And usually with the part one of movies, there's the issue of too much setup, too little payoff. Um, I think there's a really good balance of both here. So it's never it, it's never really boring, um, even in some of like the slower parts, but I have to say, there's really not that much that's too slow in this film. It's a great balancing act of many different things. And, you know, the stakes are actually high here. It feels like, you know, there's actual loss and consequences that are happening. So I do appreciate that. Um, I'd recommend it to any action fan for sure.
1: Me too absolutely and and part of me likes this series because my dad you know he was such a mission impossible fan of the tv show um so he would have loved this too but this is this is a cut above most of most of the mission possibles i think that's not what most people think but you know this is our podcast i can say what
0: i want <laughs> that's right all right so let's go ahead and go into spoilers uh you know the deal so if you have not watched this film uh and you want to go ahead and see it, go ahead and do so. Come back to the podcast. Um, and if you have seen the film and you want to hear our extended thoughts on it, spoilers once again, uh, go ahead and do so now. But in that case, know that there are spoilers ahead and you have been warned. Okay.
1: Okay. Let me start. Uh, there is uh, uh, there is a cautionary tale in here about artificial intelligence. mm mm-hmm. Once again, I'm not completely sure I was following all of it, but I didn't care because I was enjoying it too much to really worry about missing pieces of the whole AI piece, the whole AI thing. And I want to I want to point out, too, that AI has really become a thing, I would say, in the last 10 months, right? I never heard of chat GPT until January. I remember where I was when I first heard about it. I use it often now, by the way. Um, but. Uh I think that that makes this even more interesting in that it's a cautionary tale about what is ahead, what is now, and what is coming, and um how we might be well advised to consider it more seriously than what perhaps we do
0: yeah, absolutely, and you know um we saw this with a group of six, so there were actually split opinions on this main antagonist, but I, I kind of yeah I kind of see it as like something that actually won't age that poorly, uh for example, you know war games popular movie from the 80s, you know, didn't that roughly go over the dangers of what sentient computers could do? Um, Something along those lines, and I think it had to do with nuclear warheads. I think that was actually surprisingly prescient, uh, but maybe a little bit cheesy 20 years after. But now, sort of in the age of AI, we do understand that um, computers and the daily tools that we use harness enormous power. And a lot of the time, we're very dependent on that. And much of our personal information is stored within that. And if you think about it, if all that internet-like power network system across the world went down, things would not be good. I mean, banks would be affected. We would have, um, uh, you know, we would have no movies. We'd have no TV. We'd have no ZZ talk. It'd be, uh, <laughs> it'd be quite a, a catastrophe. I think not a lot of people really think about even as they're going across their day-to-day lives. And the idea that AI can learn and become better and better with its predictions and creating outcomes, uh, really you hold the key to all the power in the world if you're able to wield such a thing. And I think that's kind of what the main thing was going for in this movie. There are multiple parties of interest who had their own, uh, I guess, goals for accessing this AI and what they would do with it. And um, I actually thought that made for a pretty strong uh, set of stakes because at the end of the day, we always get a villain who's, you know, this mustache twirling, like, you know, evil person, Uh, in a lot of our movies, and it's kind of cool that there are human flesh and blood antagonists in this film, but ultimately they're fighting something that they don't know if they can necessarily win against. They can't necessarily kill it in the typical fashion. So I thought that was a strong element of the film, and I actually greatly enjoyed it. I will say that probably the weakest aspect of this movie is the formula, because I feel like there was a lot of info dumping in between action scenes and there was a lot of explaining over explaining sort of going over character motivations like in very clear cut detail even though a lot was shrouded in secrecy and sometimes the plot explanations were very plausible but sometimes it was just kind of like well how do you know this well don't worry about it or i've still got friends in high places here yeah okay that will work for this sort of film where everybody's a spy or part of some top secret organization but You know, the rules bend a little bit in some places, and sometimes they're, um, sometimes the consequences are different than you would expect. But ultimately, I felt like that was the one weaker portion of this movie, and the stuff that happened within the action scenes was incredibly strong. So, um, tell me a little bit more of your thoughts on that, too.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I started to say earlier, I think that the, uh, you know, this, this movie is sort of, you know, assembled uh, by action sequences, right? The first one is the airport uh, sequence. Well, the first one is the submarine. Then there's the airport sequence. Then there's the car chase. Um, then there is, I guess the train sequence, right? So you've got four or five. Well, there's the desert sequence too in the beginning. That is true. You've got the desert sequence. You also have the motorcycle sequence you got a lot of sequences here mm-hmm. um and um i'm curious to know because i've already asked luke your brother what uh his favorite of those sequences is my mine is unquestionably well i won't say what it is i'm curious to know of the sequences that are action packed like they are which of those sequences do you think was your favorite
0: um i liked the desert and the train but i mean if we're just being honest if it's between those two i'd have to pick the train i thought that was very strong and i thought once the bad guy had gotten away, what happened afterwards was pretty harrowing and uh, a, a pretty good display of, hey, it's not over yet. So there's a lot of a lot of moving parts going on there, including Tom Cruise's big stunt for the movie. So
1: Right, yeah. Um, I think it's the airport scene, and that was Luke's as well. I really thought that was... And that's early. that's relatively early in the film, so I was all in at that point in time. I thought the train scene was fantastic, especially you know, the the second half of the train sequence. Mm-hmm. I also have to tell you that, you know, I had been reading several reviews because, you know, I do that. Uh, and people kept saying Haley Atwell, she brings a lot to the, to the table here. She's, you know, value added in the, in the, um, in the, the movie. And I, I've not really seen her a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know who she is. I know she's in that show. I thought she was fantastic. A great addition. In fact, I'm a huge Rebecca Ferguson fan, but you know, spoilers here, when Rebecca Ferguson left us, um, I was okay with that because I think we've got a very suitable replacement in Haley Atwell.
0: Yeah, and once again, it's kind of a revolving door like we've been mentioning before. There's, right. um, there's a different I, film, uh, fatale and Mission Impossible yeah. Ghost Protocol, and I believe Rebecca Ferguson was through Fallout and Rogue Nation, so she's been there for a while. And, yeah, it
1: was uh, Paula Patton in um, uh, Ghost Protocol, who I thought yeah, was great.
0: Yeah, exactly. I thought she was fantastic. So once again, it's a revolving door to an extent, I guess, of the um female uh protagonists of the team. And you know, you gotta make way. So um uh, I thought Rebecca Ferguson did a good job. They kinda did a death fake out in the beginning, but I thought to myself, that is way too early in anti Same, same, yeah. And then she finally uh left us and another weak weaker part of the film it seems like since she had been with the team for so long, it was a little bit underwhelming. Just Mm -hmm. she was pretty easily overtaken by this bad guy. And I mean, he he was a powerful dude. He's definitely in the shadows and he actually is a callback from some of the earlier parts of mission impossible. But um, yeah, it was a little weird because she's so capable and so able to handle herself in so many situations. And that's not to say that, you know, one big bad can't take her down or anything like that, but I felt like, you know, Tom Cruise missed it entirely. Gideon was gone by then. And she you know, in movies, they get to that person thirty seconds before their death and the person's able to utter some words or something like that. Is that a movie trope, Noah? Oh, it certainly is. And you know it's in a movie trope ways, from a winning winning cast. Go ahead. Yeah. In many ways it's somewhat bold to just Have that happen without any impactful moment happening between characters, you know, saying their final goodbyes and everything, because that's just real life. Right. Sometimes that actually does happen. Um, You're not always going to be able to be there um, or know when it's going to be the last time that you see a certain person. So once again, the stakes were high in that sense. And I did appreciate that. Um, On the other end of things, I also thought it was very bold, a bold choice for the submarine sequence to take place, you know, for. 15 minutes or so before you even see ethan hunt uh you know tom cruise's ethan hunt and then i think that the title credits were 20 25 minutes in so i was pretty impressed with the overall 27 i looked at
1: my yeah now i'm using my stopwatch in the movie that's that's me and i looked down it was 27 minutes in and i was like okay
0: great we're 30 minutes into this and i'm i'm with it yeah i absolutely yeah i was so in for the ride there but um yeah everybody does everybody does a great job The um. You know, Simon Pegg and Ving uh, Rames, they, do such, a, they su- do such a good job themselves as well. And they're exactly where they need to be, right? There's comic relief in this movie, but it actually works because it's not... Peppered but actually, every other there's line. a
1: lot of comic relief, and it's not just from Simon Pegg. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the, the car chase scene, which is probably 25 minutes long... Um, And you and I both feel the same way about car chase scenes. They're always overly done. And I would argue that this one is probably overdone, but it doesn't feel it because it's just so extraordinarily well orchestrated. There's a lot of humor in that scene, almost to the point where I thought this is working for me, but this could almost come off as silly. And I don't want that in my Mission Impossible film, but it worked so well that I was in the whole time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a delicate balance between Marvel films kind of throwing in that humor after like something really heavy that takes place or just adding it in too frequently. There's levity here. And I also think in many ways, it's it's just natural. It's how people would react during these situations. You know, they're saying things out of desperation or they're unable to get something going because of you know, people chasing them or something like that. It does happen. And I think it's just naturally put in there instead of somebody setting aside, you know, 10 seconds just to make some one-off one-liners or something like that. So I think that works really well in this film. It is funny and probably has more humor than the previous movies, but it works. It definitely does work in this context. So I, I, I I did like that about the movie. And I didn't think it wrapped up too fast either. And it left us in a place where I was like, okay, ready for the next film yeah uh, but i'm also ready to um i also feel satisfied with what i got as a whole here because it wasn't just a setup film that was part of its job but it felt like a complete movie on its own it's good for newcomers we really agree
1: and i think that fans. that's yeah yeah i think that's important for people to know that you you don't go to this and you're not left with a necessarily a big cliffhanger. Um, what it does effectively is leaves you wanting more. And I, I literally did think to myself, oh my gosh, these scenes are so good, so exciting, so well done. How are they going to top this for Dead Reckoning Part 2, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I wanted to say real quickly that I think the one scene that for me was not working at all was the scene in, in Venice. Um, by the way, I love I love the whole globe tro- um, um, trotting thing. Yeah, that's that's the word I want to use. Um, remember, it's a generational podcast and certain generations forget their words. But anyway, um, I, I like that aspect of it. But I did think the scene in the club in Venice went on way too long, um, way too much exposition. And um, I don't know, and I'm not gonna And say visual stimulation. I just think it was just, it, it, again, it, it was necessary to, frankly, bridge the the action sequences. But I just thought it was, that's the one place in the film that dragged for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel that. And I mean, once again, there's no film that is this long that's going to be perfect or have everything not have like one thing that's dragging it down. But for the most part, I was I was very, I wouldn't say surprised, but I was just very pleased with this film because a lot of movies like big action movies are well made. And I know that. But sometimes I just don't like the sequence of events that's happening necessarily. or It's not that engaging or grabbing to me. I thought this was great. And it further cements Tom Cruise is just an awesome, awesome lead. I mean, he's just great. And I also appreciate that they're not really trying to hide his age. I feel like Um, this was the first movie where I could tell that he was almost 60 when he was filming it and everything. And, um, you know, he's just a really fit guy. He's extremely motivated and he truly embodies and sinks into each character that he makes. So, you know, it was great to see him continue to do his own stunts. This was probably the most underwhelming stunt that he's done in recent memory. It's not hanging onto a plane or climbing the Burj Khalifa, but it's it, it's something that's still so him. It's a trademark of his style and his brand, and you get that in spades uh, with this. Experience. Yeah, I
1: would I would agree. In fact, I think the sequence of the and I'll just I mean we're in spoiler territory. You know the the whole motorcycle off the cliff thing what was almost a little underwhelming for me because, one, I knew it was coming, right? Because that's in every trailer. But two, um, the rest of the film was so action-packed and had so many good set pieces that I thought, okay, this this is fine. Now, again, in case I haven't mentioned it, Tom Cruise is the goat. I mean, this guy is doing this stuff, most of this stuff himself. He is not a stuntman. He is the last movie star in my opinion. Uh, maybe you one you could argue Brad Pitt uh, and a few others are out there, but I don't know. You know, I was thinking about this. Tom Cruise has been doing this for 40 plus years. Yeah. Uh, and the array of films that he's done is just really impressive. So overall, I just, this is um, the highest compliment I can give this film is it was two hours and 45 minutes. I did look at my watch a few times, mm-hmm. um, but I did not, I was not, thinking when am i ever going to get out of here I, every time i looked at my watch i thought oh we're making good progress here uh and i'm enjoying this i'm still into it i would actually be interested in seeing this again i'm not going to go pay to see it again i wait for it to come on streaming but i would absolutely watch it but it will certainly be a different experience watching it on the small screen
0: yeah for sure and i think this has convinced me to go back and rewatch fallout and rogue nation um just so i can you know see it from a different perspective but like you said before. Tom Cruise rocks. Um, And one of the things I appreciate about him as a star is that he's never really had a dip in his career. Like he's always had at least one major film franchise or one really successful movie within the years of all the movies that he's in. I, I mean, honestly, this guy has just been such a success story in Hollywood. And I mean. There's a reason behind that. It's not just because he's like, you know, a good looking actor. It's because he actually has real talent and conviction in his performances. So, you know, to a lot of people, they might just be saying, okay, that's the most popular take ever. But you know what? I I don't really care. Uh, There's a reason why. Well, he's
1: been successful in so many genres of films, too. I'm sitting here thinking I mentioned Interview with a Vampire cocktail back in the 80s um i mean we all know risky business and the jerry outlaws Blair. and you know jerry Maguire, uh born on the fourth of july i mean it it just goes on and on and on and it just it just demonstrates his versatility and i think that's really impressive too so noah because of our time i need to ask you on a scale of one to five z's what are you giving mission impossible dead reckoning part one
0: uh i'm gonna go ahead and give it four and a half Z's. Excellent movie, really, really strong film, probably the best or second best film I've seen this year, and an amazing contender for uh, best action movie that I've seen in a long time. Um, Really enjoyed everybody's performance here, and it was great seeing it at IMAX, really just enhanced uh, the experience overall. So, uh, great film, so glad I saw it. Really, really good stuff.
1: I'm going to agree with you. I think uh, I'm going to go with four and a half Z's as well. This is a really, really good film. And I got to tell you, that train sequence. I mean, when I'm like, you know, pushing back on my, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. When a film does that for me, which doesn't happen often, you know, I'm all in and you know, that film is is doing what it's supposed to do. So um, in case I haven't mentioned it lately, Tom Cruise is the goat and uh, this movie is not the goat by any means, but it's, it's a really good one and well, well worth your time. But listeners, if you have a chance, see it in IMAX, but don't wait for it to come to streaming because it is too good not to see on the big screen.
0: All right. Perfect. Well, that's our review. Let's go ahead and get into our check it out section as we have just a few minutes left. Um, so I'm just going to recommend, uh, two check it outs here. Uh, regarding one topic and that's Tom Cruise. Now most people have probably seen his biggest movies especially Top Gun Maverick like last year. Um, Two movies from Tom Cruise that you may not have seen that I would recommend would be Oblivion which came out in 2013. If you've enjoyed Dune or any sci-fi at all this is a really unique film that I don't think performed extremely well at the box office but just it's unlike a lot of those blockbusters out there. And I think it's a very thought provoking film. Um, It's quite good. And then I would also recommend people have probably seen the last Samurai um, Jack Reacher. Uh, So this was before the current iteration of Jack Reacher. This one came out in 2012. It's actually a fantastic film, really, really good movie, uh, super fast paced and, you know, not something that necessarily set up a franchise, but it's a lot of fun. And he just does what he does as agent ethan hunt and mission impossible on a more mercenary scale here he has a little bit less morality but it's still packaged in an appropriate uh action film sort of way really really good stuff and i think those are two really good movies from the past i want to say decade that maybe some people might have missed out on when it comes to uh tom cruise's filmography
1: Okay, good stuff. My my check it out. I'm gonna do the same the same thing because of um how versatile Tom Cruise is. Uh two movies that if you haven't seen them, I highly recommend, and they're very different. One is The Edge of Tomorrow. Um it's also called Live, Die, Repeat, um, I think on video or DVD. But The Edge of Tomorrow is with Emily Blunt and uh it's a really good sci-fi film with Tom Cruise. I don't know, 10 years old now, eight years old now, whatever, but really strong um, and worth, worth watching. The other one is a very different kind of film and is my favorite film of all time. And maybe we'll do a podcast with reviews of our favorite films of all time, but it is far and away with his former wife, Nicole Kidman, very different than what you're accustomed to seeing Tom Cruise in. But then again, I could say that because of uh, how the variety of films he's been in so far and away. uh, And Uh, the edge of tomorrow tom cruise films check it out
0: awesome all right well that's our mission impossible dead reckoning part one review next week we will probably do oppenheimer but in case that changes you'll know because you'll be listening to the podcast we'd like to thank you so much for sticking with us for yet another week but we have plenty of big movies coming up so uh don't go anywhere but until then i'm noah
1: i'm greg saying tom cruise is the goat and this is easy talk